We're going to be in Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2. This is a story that maybe some of us are familiar with, um, but not since Sunday school. Jonah chapter 2. Maybe you haven't read it since you were nine years old in a picture Bible. This is going to be right after the part that you're familiar with. Jonah chapter 2, verse 3, verse 3 through 6. It says this. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. And the currents swirled about me. All of your waves and your breakers, they swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain I sank down, and the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. What I want to title this message for the moments that we're together is, But God, from the pit. From the pit. I want to speak about three things this morning. I want to speak about one, into the depths. Two, into prayer. And three, up from the pit. Into the depths, into prayer, and up from the pit. Would you pray with me for a minute? Lord Jesus, we love you. You're holy. And Lord, it's all for you. We're astounded at your love towards us. And your grace towards us. That you're compassionate and you're big. And even in this room, God, you have the world to consider, but you consider every single heart in the room. That you know us more intimately than we know ourselves. You've numbered every hair on our head. And you're here. Thank you for being here. We acknowledge you as the object of our affection, the one for whom this is all for. Lord, if you're not glorified in any other place, be glorified in this place. And Lord, if you're not glorified in any other heart, be glorified in this heart. Father, we love you so much. And more importantly, you love us. Holy Spirit, would you empower us to live, look, and love more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Jonah. Jonah chapter 2. This is a... uh, a story that some of us might be familiar with, with the idea of Jonah and this fish. Jonah is a minor prophet who is prophesying under the leader Jeroboam. And when we find Jonah, he is um, in a really interesting place with God. You uh, find Jonah in the book. And what happens uh, in this entire book really is a question that I want to ask you. The entire book of Jonah is what happens when you and God disagree? Because that's the book of Jonah. What happens when you and God disagree? Jonah is a prodigal prophet. He's the one who hears from God, is supposed to speak on behalf of God, and yet is actually running away from God. 
This is a book about the sovereignty of God towards his people and towards the wicked. Because when you find this, this book entirely in its entirety really teaches you that what we are to do when us and God disagree, but chapter two specifically, and all of chapter two really is just a prayer that Jonah prays to God. The book of Jonah asks the question, what do you do when you and God disagree? But Jonah chapter two asks, what do you do when you're overwhelmed? Jonah chapter two, we find him um, being called to a place called Nineveh. He was called by God to go and preach to Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, which was against uh, uh, the Israelites, against the people of God, and Jonah being one of them. What happens is uh, these are a wicked people. In Jonah chapter 1, it says that their wickedness has ascended and it has come to the face of God. That God has seen their wickedness, and now God is about to judge Nineveh, but then he calls on Jonah calls on Jonah and Jonah says, well, I don't really like Nineveh. There are enemies. They're wicked. They're against us. They're against you. And so I don't want to go and preach to them because the Lord asks Jonah, go and preach. doesn't ask him, tells him, go and preach to Nineveh because they need to go and repent. Now we find out truthfully why Jonah didn't want to go and preach to Nineveh in Jonah chapter 4. And it says this, he prayed to the Lord, isn't it, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home, that this is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Jonah didn't want to go and preach to Nineveh, and so he got on a boat to go to Tarshish, which was the opposite direction, because he knew the character of God, and he knew that God was compassionate, and he was loving, and he was merciful, and Jonah didn't want God to be loving to Nineveh. What Jonah didn't know is that God's heart is after the wicked. What happens when you and God disagree? Jonah ran away from God. Jonah got in a boat and went to Tarshish. And have you ever been in the place where you're like, why is it so much easier to do wrong than it is to do right? Right? Like this is where Jonah is at right now. He's like, I know what you told me to do and I know what I should do and I'm going to go this way. And it felt so easy. Like it's just a couple verses. Like God said to Jonah, preach to Nineveh. Jonah gets on a boat. Like that's the next thing. Jonah's like, absolutely not. And why is it so easy for us to do the things that we shouldn't do? And why is it so hard to do the things that we should do? Why is it so easy to pop off in somebody in traffic instead of being patient with them? Right? Like, why is it so easy to, to judge somebody rather than to be compassionate towards them? Why is it so much easier to run than it is to stay? Why is it so much easier to worry than it is to worship? Jonah knew that God was compassionate, and he didn't want God to have compassion on Nineveh, but Jonah didn't know that God's heart was after the wicked. See, Jonah runs away from God, and he gets on a boat. And when he gets on a boat, um, it's interesting because when he's running, the, the word that the scripture uses, it says that Jonah flees, not just from what he wanted to do, not just from what God wanted to do, but Jonah once says, Jonah flees from the presence of God. And it's interesting that the Lord used that language, that Jonah flees from the presence 
of God. And it teaches me that now I must understand that the presence of God is connected to the will of God. So Jonah fleeing the will of God was actually Jonah fleeing the presence of God. If you're in this place and you're trying to figure out where God's presence is, ask yourself, are you in his will? Because God's will is connected to his presence. His presence is connected to his will. If you're not in his presence, question, are you in his will? Because Jonah ran from the will of God, which means he actually ran from the presence of God. Jonah ends up sleeping in this ship as he's running away. And uh, a huge storm comes upon the ship. Uh, a God, <laughs> God hurls a storm at Jonah because he's saying, no, 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 no. you're going to go to Nineveh. He hurls a storm at him and all of the sailors that were on this ship look around and say, this is no normal storm. Like this is something completely different than what we're used to. So what they do is they kind of uh, start like casting lots and saying, whose fault is this? They're pretty uh, uh, like superstitious. Like whose fault is this that we are now being punished because this storm is crazy. They all cast lots. It ends up Jonah says, oh yeah, no, to be honest, guys, this is me. It's my fault. I'm running from God. And they're like, who are you? Where are you from? What are you doing? What people are you? And he's like, I'm Jonah and I serve the God who made the heavens and the earth and I'm an Israelite. And they're like, you serve Yahweh? Of, dude, what are you? And so they get mad at him because they're like, you serve him and you're running from, that's why we're being punished. It's because you're running from God. Jonah's like, yeah, no, it's my fault. You know what you need to do? He, he, he's a merciful God. So toss me overboard, kill me and he'll spare you. They say, all right, they repent. <laughs> they start praying. They're like, God, we're sorry. We're going to throw him overboard. Please don't get mad. And they throw him overboard. This is literally what they do. They, he ends up in the water. Once he gets in the water, Jonah then prays this prayer in Jonah chapter two. He's sitting and he says, I've been hurled overboard now. And he gets uh, uh, in this point where the part of the story where maybe most of us know is Jonah now is in the belly of a fish for three days and for three nights. And some people ask like, okay, was, was it like a legit fish? Like, was this an analogy? Was this figurative? Was it literal? Was this practical? Did he, was he actually in a fish? Like, how does that happen? Like, I don't think it necessarily really matters if it was true, actually, that he was in a fish or not. But Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12 that just in the same way that Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, so will the Son of Man dive into the depths of the earth. And so Jesus considered it an historical fact, and so I consider it a historical fact. Jonah in the belly of a fish for three days and for three nights. And it's interesting because what happens here is I ask the question, why? Like, God, why are you doing all of this? Why did you call this guy to speak to a wicked city? Why did you get so mad when he ran away? Why did you cast a storm? Why did they throw him overboard? Why is seaweed wrapped around his head? Why is he drowning in the ocean? Like, why are you doing all of this stuff? And I truly found, I felt the Lord speak to me and said, it's because I am relentless about my mercy. That God desires so strongly to show mercy to Nineveh that he says, I'm going to throw a storm. I'm going to throw you under the water. I'm going to prepare a fish for you. He says, just so that you can go and preach to Nineveh and they can experience my mercy. That's why God does it. Because God is relentless about his mercy. His mercy triumphs over his judgment. 
It says that he desires to show mercy and not sacrifice. It makes me consider when I experience the judgment of God, how much of his mercy have I already forsook? Because if God did all of this to show mercy to a wicked country called Nineveh, how much, how far, how big is he willing to go to show mercy to them? And I experience judgment. How much mercy have I already blown all the way past in my own life? God is relentless about his mercy. And I believe there are some people in this room where you're in the mercy of God right now. And you're saying, like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm running away. Like, judgment might be around the corner, and you are in the mercy of God as we speak. And your heart is beating fast because you're saying, no, I'm in the mercy. I know. I know what I should be doing. I'm not doing that. I'm in the mercy. I'm, I'm in the mercy. Don't forsake the mercy. Because the mercy is meant to draw you to repentance. God's extending mercy to you, not just because he loves you and he doesn't want you to be in difficult situations. He's extending mercy to you that you might repent. Some of us are in the mercy right now and God is giving you time to repent. Jonah is in this fish and he's in the depths, as he describes. He's he's hurled away. And as Jonah is in the depths, He's far away from God because of his disobedience, and he's about to die because of his foolishness. You see, sometimes the depths is not a situation that you find yourself in. Uh, 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 sometimes the depths isn't a situation that you put yourself in. Sometimes, a situation in. sometimes the depths is a situation that you find yourself in. Because Jonah put himself in the depths. That was his fault. He disobeyed God, and so now he's in this situation. That he didn't do what God told him to do, and now God was dealing with him accordingly. But sometimes we're in the depths, not because we did something, but maybe you relate with Jonah. I was hurled into something. I just find myself in the depths. I don't think I did this to me. I don't think God is doing this to me. I think I just find myself here. I'm finding myself in the depths. The depths is the place where you think that God isn't. The depths is the place when that child keeps on getting sick after you've prayed. The depths is the place where the marriage hasn't gotten better despite your best attempts. The depths is the place where the hospital has become far too familiar of a place. The depths is the place where you think that God isn't. And I'm not going to compare my depths to yours, nor should you compare yours to mine. The depths is the place where you feel trouble more than you feel God. When trouble feels far closer to you and more of a friend than God does. Far away from him. The depths is where Jonah finds himself. I feel the trouble, but I have a hard time feeling God. You ever been to the depths before? (laughs) And I believe that Jonah he had a situation that was really interesting because he put himself there. He was in the depths because of what he did. And I still don't believe that the depths for Jonah was a punishment. I believe that it was a pause. 
That God wanted to get Jonah's attention and said, if you are left to yourself, who knows where you're going to go. And so I just need to stop you for a second. You need to stop doing so much. You need to stop trying to figure it out by yourself. You need to stop thinking you're wiser than I am, that you have a better plan than I do. It's not a punishment. It's a pause. And so God starts to form Jonah inside of the fish. He says, I'm going to use this thing to form you into the person and the thing that you actually need to be. Sometimes we experience the depths and we just try and get out of it as quickly as possible. We say, I, this feels uncomfortable. I don't like it. It hurts. I want something else. This isn't what I imagined. And all of those might be true. And we try and get out of the depths as quickly as possible. But here's the question. What if God is asking you to pause? You say, just wait a minute. Consider me. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to make your own way. Stop thinking you're wiser than I am. Stop trying to strategize or buy or finagle or get. Stop trying to negotiate your way out of every situation. Pause for just a minute. Because sometimes God needs to deal with us on the inside of us. He needs to deal with the innermost things of us. And that happens not through having enough faith for God to deliver me, but having enough faith for God to sustain me. God, I'm learning something different about you in endurance than I do in deliverance. He says he's in the depths. Maybe God is asking some of us to pause. The depths is the place sometimes Sometimes the depths, actually, is the only place where God can reach you. See, the fish was actually a place of formation for Jonah. And once he's into the depths, what happens next is we get to Jonah chapter 2. And this entire chapter, like I mentioned, is just a prayer. It's all that it is. And Jonah actually uh, quotes, uh, I think, eight different scriptures in this one prayer. Ten verses, eight scriptures that Jonah quotes. Jonah was a prophet. He knew the scriptures. And I can only imagine that he, he, he did exactly what David said, that he hid the word inside of his heart. That he remembered that his love goes from everlasting to everlasting. Jonah prayed as soon as he got into the depths because prayer is our first response, not our last resort. Prayer is exactly what we do as soon as we enter in. Prayer is the thing that we run to first and foremost, not once we've done all that we can do, but actually before I do anything, I need to attend and go to God in prayer. Maybe he remembered that God is actually close to the brokenhearted. Maybe he remembered the scriptures and said, be at rest once again, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. He's delivered your eyes from tears and your feet from stumbling. Therefore, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Maybe Jonah hid the word inside of his heart because Jonah didn't have time to get on his YouVersion Bible app and search a scripture of the day. Jonah did not have time to Google Bible verses for insecurity. Jonah did not have time to call his friend and say, hey, can you pray for me? Jonah had he himself in God. That's it. And you know what Jonah did? Jonah actually uh, he started praying from what was already inside of him. I've already been with God, therefore I can pray to God no matter what. It's so important for you to know what the Bible says because it helps you pray according to his will, not just according to your problems. 
And when the word is hidden on the inside of you, then you start to pray according to the will of God. When you're in the depths, remember God. Trust God. Go to God. And faith in the depths might simply look like this. Not extravagant, but intimate. Not big, but small. It might just look like this. I can't see you. I can't feel you. But I know that you're there. I can't see you. I don't know where you are. And I can't feel you. I don't feel it. But I know that you're there. That's what faith in the depths looks like for some of you in this room. I know that you're there. Despite what my circumstances and my senses are telling me, I know that you're there. See, when the pressure of life gets to you, what's on the inside of you comes outside of you. When we squeeze Jonah, when life squeezes Jonah, prayer comes out of Jonah. When I squeeze you, what comes out of you? I'm allergic to avocados. (laughs) It feels like a confession for some reason. Um, because, uh, you know, like, I don't know if you know, but like, there's a caricature of millennials that we love avocados, like avocado toast, sushi, avocado, you know what I mean? Right. And I can't eat it. And so like, it feels like a confession because like, I'm not in the club of avocados and it feels like I'm going to be kicked out soon. Cause like, I can't go to brunch and enjoy it with all the rest of you guys. And I remember like, whenever I go to like any restaurant, like I am so adamant, I'm like, Okay, does it have avocado? Does it have avocado? No, okay, okay. And I always tell the, the, the waiter, or if I'm doing like Uber Eats, I always put in the notes, or when I'm doing carryout, I always call in, make sure. And inevitably, there's always that one that just ignores the note, that doesn't write it down, and brings me the avocados anyway. We need a friend like AJ, because whenever I go to like lunch with AJ, he'll, before I say it, he'll look at the waiter and be like, hey, are there avocados in that? He can't have avocados. And I'm like, I can say it for myself. <laughs> but it's love, it's love. And so he'll be like, hey, he can't have avocados. And, and I get so upset. Like when people give me avocados when I explicitly tell them not to, I'm like, do you want me to die? Like I'm, I told you, I'm, and I'm not going to die. I just like get a scratchy throat, right? Like it's not even that big of a deal. It's really like, like I'll th- throw it. But like it's not bad. Like I'm not going to die. And I get so frustrated though, like disproportionately frustrated at the idea of, I told you that don't give me avocados and you gave me avocados. Now, your situation might not be as small as me getting annoyed at avocados, but when life squeezes you with addiction, how do you respond? When your family squeezes you with frustration, what do you do? When your children start to get on your last nerve and you've been telling them all day long, what comes out of you? When culture is telling you to be this, be this, be this, what do you do? When life squeezes you, what comes out of you? Because what came out of Jonah was prayer. What happens you? What happens if I squeeze you? Jonah, granted, he should have prayed before he ran away. So it's better late than never, but Jonah heard the word of God, ran from the word of God, got judged by God, and then prayed to God. And how many of us are thankful that God hears every prayer? That no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, that God hears your prayer. But Jonah definitely should have prayed before he ran away. 
Because how much would Jonah have, how much less would Jonah have suffered if he had not ran away before he prayed, but he had sought the will of God before? How many difficulties might I have been saved from if I had sought God's will before and not just what I wanted? He chose to pray after he got in trouble. And some of us just need to start praying messy prayers. Some of us just need to start to talking to God about our problems. You don't need to clean yourself up before you talk to him. You don't need to figure it out before you pray to him. You don't need to wash yourself clean and stop sinning for at least a month before you start talking to God. Some of us just need to talk to God about our problems. Start praying messy prayers from dirty people and disgusting lives and say, I'm thankful because no matter where I'm at, God hears my prayer. And God listens and he inclines his ear to me that God cares about what I have to say no matter where I am. And granted, don't be like Jonah. Don't do it after you've experienced the judgment. Do it before. But God hears every prayer that you pray. Some of us just need to start to talk to God about our problems because Jonah believed that God would take him out of the problem. Some of us need to talk to God about our problems, but if I could just encourage you for a minute, if I could exhort you for a minute, if I could preach for a minute, if I could let you know about the faith that you have in God for a minute, some of you need to talk to God about your problems, but also some of you need to talk to your problems about your God. Some of you need to be like Jonah and to say, I know the situation that I'm in, but I believe that God can take me out of it. I know that I don't deserve his mercy, but guess what? He's a compassionate God. His grace and his love goes from everlasting Everlasting to everlasting. And I think I haven't reached the end of everlasting. I think I know I'm still in the fish. I know that life doesn't look like what I think it should look like. I know that I'm not reached my hopes or my dreams and that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to prophesy to my problem. I'm going to tell the problem who my God is and God can pull me up out of the fish, out of the maps, out of the depth. Some of you need to prophesy to your problem. It's a great thing to talk to God about your problems. It's a great thing to talk to your problems about your God. Jonah went strictly to prayer. When you're in the depths, remember, go to God. Faith is, I can't see you. I can't feel you. But I know you're there. See, into the depths, into prayer. And lastly, he says, up from the pit up from the pit. You see, Jonah, this point, he thought it was over. I'm sure there's a part of me, he said, I've been hurled into the sea. The mountains have barged me in. The waves are crashing over me. The riptide is sucking me under. Seaweed is around my neck. I can't breathe. This is the end for me. No doubt in my mind, Jonah thought that this was the end. He said, I can't keep my head above water. Maybe you're in this place and you're saying, life does feel like it's choking me out. I can't keep treading water like I've been doing for so long. I can't climb any higher. I feel like I'm at my lowest. Yes, the depths is exactly the word for the place that I'm in. I feel far from God. My troubles feel closer to me than God does. And here's the thing. Jonah says, and worst of all, I feel banished from your sight. See, there is no kind of despair like distance from God. 
And Jonah says, I feel like I'm gone from you. I feel like you're not paying attention to me. I feel like you're gone. I feel like this was actually the last time and I blew it and it's done and there's no hope for me. I feel like you've actually left. And then Jonah gets to this place that wasn't just a cry from his circumstances. It was a cry from his soul. And Jonah, being a prophet, still found it a hard time to find God. And I believe then he realizes once he encounters him that there's no pit too deep that God's grace can't reach you. There is no depth that you are in where God's grace cannot reach you. He can bring your life up from the pit. Because... He is in the pit with you. Listen, the presence of God brought his life up from the pit. When he went to God, God brought his life up from the pit. And he didn't just bring his life up from the pit. He brought his soul up from the pit. Because sometimes God needs to bring our souls up before he brings our bodies up. Because if he brings our circumstances and our bodies out of the pit and our soul is still in the pit, we're going to go right back down into the pit. So he brings his soul up from the pit. And you ask, Jonah, how could you prophesy while still in the fish? How could you believe and go to God while still in the depths? How could you approach God when nothing has changed? Listen, do you think that the punishment of the fish is the thing that changed Jonah? No. The punishment is not the thing that changed Jonah. The presence of God is the thing that changed Jonah. That once he started praying and went into the courts of the Lord, he went into the temple. That's what changed Jonah. Because remember, the presence of God is the will of God. And the will of God was in the fish. So that means the presence of God was in the fish. If the will of God is connected to the presence of God, and the will of God was the fish for Jonah, that means the presence of God was in the fish for Jonah. Do you feel like you're in the depths? Do you feel lost and overwhelmed? Do you feel like you don't know what to do? Remember, if you are in the will of God, you're in the presence of God. And no matter where you're at, Jonah approaches God. He invites him into his space and says, I know I don't deserve it, but Lord, would you come and meet me in the depths? I'm praying a messy prayer from a dirty place and I don't deserve it. But as soon as I start to enter into the will of God, guess what? I enter into the presence of God. And now Jonah, in the depths, now is the ability to say, Psalm 139, if I ascend to the highest mountain, you are still there. And even if I descend and make my bed in the depths of Sheol, there you are still. Where can I flee from your presence? Where can I go that you won't find me? See, God's hand can reach you anywhere. And your failure does not negate the presence of God. And your depth does not negate the presence of God. Jonah ran from the presence of God. You see, you know what God did? God sent the presence after him. 
said, Lord, you can deliver me. I know I'm in the depths. I know it seems hopeless and I know I'm overwhelmed. I know it doesn't look like there's any more light at the end of this very long tunnel. I know that this pain is too overwhelming to manage. I know that I've tried it for myself and it didn't work in myself. And so now I have nothing else to do except to enter into your presence and to enter into your will because I believe that yes, I am in the depths. Seaweed is around my neck. The waves are crashing over me. The seas are engulfing me, but God can deliver me up from the depths. And so I'm going to remind my soul that no matter where I am, God's hand is not too short to reach me. And if faith just looks like I can't see you, I can't feel you, but I know you're there, then that's my prayer. And I'm going to believe that the hand of the Lord is able to deliver me from whatever situation that I find myself in. And there's some of us in this room, like Pastor AJ said, where you do not need to observe any more church. You need to participate in church. You need to start worshiping God in church. You've been here for enough weeks. You've heard enough messages. You've heard Pastor Tiffany and Darby and AJ. You've seen the reports. You've heard messages. And now what God is asking you to do is he's saying, would you come to me? So we're going to make a place right now to come to him. Lord Jesus, we choose to come to you and we submit ourselves to you saying, Lord, we might find ourselves in the depths right now in a place feeling far away from you. I'm not sure where you're at. I can't feel you like I used to feel you, but I remind my soul again and again, where does my help come from? It comes from the maker of heaven and earth. I lift my eyes one more time to the hills. I set my gaze upon the beautiful face of Jesus, and I remind my soul that if he saved me then, he can save me now. I might still be in the depths, but God, you can deliver my soul up from the pit. I trust you in every way that I know, and Lord, help my unbelief in the places that I don't know. I choose to remind myself in this moment to trust again in God and to believe you, Jesus, that you are able to deliver me.